Buenos Aires, uh, September 5th, 2014. Hello everyone, today my guest is uh, Axel Lazzari, who is uh, uh, an anthropologist in uh, Buenos Aires and uh, teaching at the University of uh, San Martin, the public university, and uh, the former director of under undergraduate uh, course program at the same university and a researcher at uh, the CONICET, which is uh, the public uh, center for uh, research. Uh, hello, Axel. Um, hello. Um, so today we are going to talk about um, the status, of historical and contemporary, contemporary status of uh, the indigenous people in Argentina, in particular the, the Ranculche people. Uh, but maybe before jumping too fast into the conversation, could you, since since you're teaching about similar issue, could you could you tell us a little bit what your classes are about? Well, my classes are about, in general, I present. Uh, I can talk you uh, tell you about my my last course, which was a panorama, sort of panorama of uh, of the issues. The contemporary issues that the movements, the political movements of indigenous peoples uh, are raising to the state, to the public opinion, to society in general. So this, this course was aimed to to give a you know a, the, to build up a big picture of these demands, but before that. It was also a course that tried to present the current and dominant imaginaries about the Indians in general in the Americas, but specifically in Argentina, which is it, it has its own specificities. Uh, and then we went into sort of selection of ethnological issues about these peoples, you know, the, 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 the typical uh, topics of anthropology or ethnology, you know, question of livelihood or kinship, um, myths, and so on. And then the, the course ended up uh, trying to engage into this relationship, this conflictive and also full of alliances between the state, the Indians, and the so-called organizations, organizations of uh, people that support the Indians. Like this third, third party, which is very important in the politics of uh, Indianness in Argentina and everywhere. So that was my last course. Um, on the other hand, in, in India, I teach other kind of classes which are specifically uh, aimed at reconstructing the history of anthropology, not only the canonical history, meaning that, speaking from Argentina, that means European or North, North Atlantic uh, anthropologies, anth anthropology. That is, anthropology from France, from England, from the United States, and a little bit from Germany. 
the aim of this course is, is giving that picture, which is sort of canonical. It, it, this kind of uh, courses are almost the same in India, uh, Australia, Argentina, and England. But the, the, um, the, the interesting thing, I mean, at least for, for me or for people that listens to listen to me here is that we want to or we try to read that tradition north atlantic tradition from uh, from here from the productions uh, done in argentina from the cultural milieu in, in, in argentina uh, along this 19th and 20th century i think that gives you a, a simplified idea of what <laughs> teaching right now. I see. Yeah. Um, I was not thinking to start with these questions, but it, it came to my mind uh, listening to you right now, that I'm, I'm, I'm almost wondering if we should not start by talking about the, the politics of denomination of the, of, uh, the indigenous people. It's like, I, you, you just say the word Indians, and we can speak about natives, indigenous, uh, in Canada, uh, First Nations. Is, is that what 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 are uh, I'm, I'm I really don't know about it. What what are what are the the politics behind the, the name we choose to talk about this okay. given population? I'm kind of I wouldn't say uh, political incorrect because that's already another vote. <laughs> but I would say I'm clumsy. About this name, the, the 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 politics of the name, not clumsy in an unconscious way. Uh, I think here there is not the um, I would say the the fetishistic uh, approximation to the name as uh, there is uh, as as in. In the States or in Canada, where this political correctness of mm. how to name these these groups is very it's a very uh, hard issue. People I work with, that is the Ranqueles, its ethnic name, call themselves by different names. First of all, Indios, that is Indians. We all know that Indians is a colonial category the so-called mistake made by Columbus and uh, since then the juridification, the the enthronization of this name as a juridical category, mm -hmm. you know, the so-called laws of Indias, leyes de Indias. Indias meaning the Americas, the Americas from that were under the Spanish Kingdom. So this, all these subjects, all these colonial subjects, had to relearn to call themselves Indians. In the 1970s, there was an important, uh, for for some, is like a, a landmark in terms of uh, political consciousness. Was a meeting of uh, Indian leaders and anthropologists and missionaries, etc., in the in Barbados Island, island, in the Caribbean, Caribbean, and there was a motto that issued from that uh, meeting that was, "Como indios nos oprimieron y como indios nos liberaremos." 
as Indians we were oppressed, as Indians we will liberate us. So for these guys in the 70s, Indians was already, of course, a stigma, but it was the stigma from, from which any liberation, any thinking of themselves as not only an ethnicity, but an ethnicity in connection with other ethnicities that had suffered the same fate, was what some people would say, the um, significant significant, uh, significant, I don't know, signifier, not, signifier sorry, the signifier that would articulate all of them mm. as something uh, common against another people. That is the whites, the, the non-Indians. Now, in the 1990s, uh, there appear another name, which is uh, in mostly this in Latin America, and coming from the experience of, uh, of the Andean peoples. This name is Pueblos Originarios, mm -hmm. Originary Peoples. This name had, uh, is having a wide public. Um, some people call, some Indians, former Indians, mm -hmm. call themselves Pueblos Originarios. Another name, which is actually the name, the most neutral name, and I, I tend to use it in my academic writings, is indigenous peoples. Indigenous peoples is also a, a juridical category uh, at the level of the super-state level, at the level of the United Nations and all that sort of organizations, which means a people that is native from some place. The, the etymology of indigenous has to do with that people from that place. Also the, the, the etymology of aborigines. But we, there is something interesting. Uh, from com, uh, for the common sense and the common sense of leaders, indigenous, because of some sort of sonoric familiarity, sound familiarity, has to do with Indian. Ah. Indigenous Indian. Mm. But in terms of etymology, it has nothing to do one with another. On the other hand, there is this word aborigines, aborigenes in Spanish, which they understand as without origin. Another etymological mistake. I mean, putting myself from the outside. For them, the, the, the idea they have uh, of aborigines is people without origin. Which is, the opposite, which, right? which the, well, from, 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 an, from okay, yeah. so that's why a lot of people do not use aborigines or uh, don't want to use indigenous because it resembles then the, the old category, colonial category, category of Indians, or, or uh, that is why they use pueblos originarios. Mm -hmm. But this is at the level of the leadership. When you do field work, if you you can work just with leaderships, so it could be uh, you know you have a problem uh, how these leaders these leaders articulate their discourse, uh, which are their strategies, how they relate to the state, and so on. But you can also work at different levels with them, with the people at the base. If you want, uh, uh, you you work uh, not only at these public venues or, this, or the courts or, or the state uh, schools, whatever, 
you work with these people in, in the fields, in, at their homes, and they call themselves Indios. Or sometimes Indios, sometimes by their ethnic name, Ranqueles, sometimes by their national name, Argentines, by, the, by their uh, local name, we are people from this city or this village. I mean, here in Argentina, I would say there is not really um, very much issue with the names. There is, but not as uh, in the States or other places. Okay. Uh, um, so let's uh, let's uh, jump right into the, the maybe the history of those um, uh, of those uh, indigenous population, uh, in particular in our, in uh, Argentina. Uh, I mean, it's going to be hard to do it uh, in uh, such a small amount of time. But uh, maybe coming from the outside, I should say that. Um, it's it's uh, it's surprising to to come here and realize that uh, as um, as uh, Alejandro Grimson was saying uh, uh, in the previous podcast is that that fifty percent of the population is completely white in Argentina and fifty percent of the population is uh, 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 has um, has a, a shared uh, ancestry in in the the white uh, the white branch of uh, that. I guess go back to the to the Spanish uh, uh, colonials and and uh, and more indigenous uh, ancestry as well. So that, uh, I mean that's that's a remark coming completely from the outside, but it, it's true that it's it's uh, I was I was surprised uh, to learn to learn about that. Uh, and so so maybe could you maybe uh, give us a sh short uh, too short of course uh, uh, history of. Uh, of Argentina in this regard, of Argentina. <laughs> no, well, no. In, in regard, in regards to the to the indigenous population, okay. how how okay. did okay, okay. yeah? Um, I think the, a, a good way of and I think it has a lot of analytic um, fruits. Is the idea of thinking obviously the Indian question in relation to the nation and the state, the formation of the nation and the state. And in this regard, Argentina is not an... Even if we want to think of ourselves as exceptional or having some kind of excep exceptionalism, uh, I think uh, Argentina, because of this huge immigration from Europe at the, at the end of the 19th century, created this self-image of whiteness, of civilization. Uh, specifically, Buenos Aires was thought, and is still thought as the Paris of South America, even uh, in spite of the fact that there are a lot of signs of decadence of that reality and that image too. <laughs> um, this idea of, you know, being a sort of, uh, how to say, um, beachhead of Europe in the Americas has important consequences. Uh, in that regard, you, you should very uh, rudely 
separate the history of Argentina in two parts. Before the, the, the big immigration, the huge immigration, the, this big wave, and after. Before that, that is before 1880s, uh, Argentina was more or less like a Hispanic American country of that uh, same period. Uh, its population was basically what we know, and then also was the same name, would, would call mestizo. You had some specificities uh, having to do with their kind of living, like the gauchos. You have also have different types of gauchos and so on. You have the Indians, two types of Indians, two big types, ideal types of Indians, the Indians that were not already uh, conquered, for instance, the Rancuche, and the Indians that had in a way or way or, or, or were in the process of dissolution among this mestizo mainstream, right? This mestizo population was basically formed uh, of two branches, the Spanish, the descendants of the Spanish conquerors, and the descendants of the Indians. So this, this was more or less the, the picture, the, the, not only demographic or genetically, the, the moral picture, right? It was these people that uh, fought the war, the wars of independence. Wars of independence that we are now commemorated 200 years of this, all, all over the Americas of these this, uh, events. These wars of independence were very important, I think, to create before the coming of the European, the, the big European wave of immigration, to create in the moral elites, in the, in the, um, in the um, uh, rulers, some sort of um, honor and self-respect. Why? Because it was in Buenos Aires, basically, where the, the first uh, emancipation movement was successful. And from here, it expanded to Chile and then conquered the center of the, 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 um, the Spanish power, which was Lima at the time, uh, about eight years before this, this revolution in 1810. So when this European wave of immigration came in Argentina, you had already these rulers very proud of themselves. Such proud, so proud were they that they wanted to expand in a way. Not, not only terri in territorial terms, uh, at that time was the time that the expansion into Patagonia and in and the north parts of, of Argentina, but in terms of, uh, of deepness, you know, deep expansion, that is more civilization. Uh, we want to be more civilized than we are already are. That means creating a powerful state, that means also creating a big eugenetic experiment with all these 
European blood. That is the, the, the so-called politics of blanqueamiento, of white men, white men. More or less racist, more or less, more or less racist, more or less um, uh, educational. I mean, you, you, could, you can think of this uh, in terms of education through Europeanness or real mixed of blood, of blood right? So the point is that uh, when the state established more or less certain power over the, over the society, that would be the end of the 19th century, the Indian lands were, had already been conquered, the Indian populations were uh, had different types of destinies, they were some, a lot of were killed, others were in prison, others were um, distributed as, um, as people working servants, working for the elites. At that time the state began real, really began to construct this idea of Argentine, of the Argent, of Argentina as a white people, a white European people, or a people in process in the process of whitening of um, and very similar to, to Europe. Uh, there is a, a sensation right now that, that this, this movement, this period had uh, left their marks in national consciousness, in common sense, uh, because it is, it is still um, thought today that that was the, the most uh, important period of Argentine history. Uh, now we are living in decadence. That was the, ap ap uh, the apex <laughs> of this civilization. Uh, and it's not, I'm not saying that was totally fantasy, because if you think uh, of, of this in terms of recognition by the outside powers, it was real. I mean, the, the, these waves of Europeans came to the places where a promise, whatever that may be, of, um, of, pro, of pro, progress uh, was real. I mean, the, the, the destinies were United States, Argentina, and perhaps uh, Brazil. They weren't going to other places as because here they didn't come as really as colonial settlers. This is an important uh, specification. It was, was not like, you know, uh, Germans or English going into South Africa or even into Australia. They would come, they would came here, they would come here and find a state more or less established that asked for them sort of French state, ask for them to nationalize, to begin to uh, educate themselves as Argentines. One of the things, the things this new state uh, asked these people were, okay, we want your Europeanness, but we want you to be Argentines, not Europeans in Argentina like, you know, a German in South Africa, because it was not a colonial state. It was a national state, and one was one of the, 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 the first and most successful national states in the Americas at that time, in South America at that time. Uh, 
So that's why still we have this horizon of Europeanness, even if we critique it, we critique within this horizon, right? Uh, obviously, it's not a question of racism. It's a question of we don't have an, any other horizon because we don't have the experience of uh, my personal biographical experience. Uh, most people is one of coming from the from the outside or mixing here, mixing up here. This perhaps is a very Buenos Aires centered discourse. If you make the same question in the provinces, because this is the real cleavage in Argentina, it's not the racist cleavage. There, are, there is racism, but mounted on a territorial regional cleavage. The big cleavage is between Buenos Aires and interior provinces. If you ask this question, they would tell you a lot of bad things about people from Buenos Aires, which are the real, uh, as a whole, the real ruling class or, or, the, or the, the real ruling uh, block of Argentina. Uh, I'm not quite answering your question, no, but, uh, but I'm giving you a first panorama sure. of these things. How do uh, Indians enter here? Uh, because of this thing, self-image of Europeanness, Indians would play a different role uh, from different countries. The first role is like 19th century was the barbar, I mean, these barbarians, these people that are the outside, don't speak our languages, and so on, which was obviously a, a, an artifact, it was not real, but it had a very important ideological effect. Uh, the second thing is that once they were conquered, it's like they disappeared. Disappearance was really an act of, uh, intentional act. They disappeared, I think, less as the demographic um, entity than as um, ideological entity. For instance, in, after the conquest of Durankulce, five years, uh, there, there is a census five years later. In the 1830s, right? They, they conquered, they, the conquest of Durankulce, of their territories, were in 1879. I see. So about 1885, there, were, there was a census, a national census, and you had two categories in which to sort all, all people. Natives, uh, sorry, uh, Argentines and uh, foreigners. All the Indians were put in the category, category of Argentines. There was not a, a, um, a category for Indians, like in other countries like Peru, that you still have this kind of, you know, mestizos, Indians, uh, etc. No, all of them, by an act of statistical magic were erased. This had effects on their own subjectivities. They had to relearn 
to think of themselves as Argentines. Obviously, in a disciplined, violent milieu. The, the, the two big uh, machines to relearn who they were were the army, the obligatory conscription, and the education, which, which was obligatory too. All these people that Rancuche I work with would tell you that they are um, sometimes they are their parents or their grandparents would be taken from their homes compulsorily and put into a sort of asylum, uh, school asylum, to learn the Spanish language, to learn uh, to do maths and so on. So it was very violent, disciplined uh, development of Argentines. At the same time, you had the, 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 um, the pleasure side of it, which was the celebration of Argentines. It had also two branches, the European branches, or branch of it, then the, the different collectivities would be um, permitted, in a way allowed, to have their mutual associations, to some to, to, to preserve some sort of, of their heritage, but not uh, to, to the extent that good, that, that good uh, menace, that good threaten the Argentines, the, the, the Argentine environment that were around them. Man, it was like a, a very controlled preservation of European ancestry in Italian associations, Spanish associations, French associations, and so on. Language was an issue. They should um, um, learn Spanish. And Indianness was not allowed to preserve its heritage. But in a way, some of it entered to the new ideological machinery of criochismo. What is criochismo? It's the exaltation, commemoration, invention too, of the criollo, the, the specific mestizo of Argentina. What is the criollo? It's the, it's the gaucho, it's the Indian, uh, it's all, all that kind of entities, people, customs, whatever you can put there, that may be assigned to a notion of the native, right? The native before the, the immigrants came, not the natives, the natives before Columbus, the natives before the end of 19th century. So from there you, you have all this explosion of cultural products uh, in music, in dance, in literature, in anthems, in, and this is multiplied through schooling system, through theaters, through in, public, in public spaces. And all these Indians, or some of them, like the Ranculchen, not all, that, that would be the second part of my, of this long answer. I'm giving you to your short question. These <laughs> <laughs> uh, Indians like the Ranculche, good began to identify themselves with this criollo 
horizon, not with their so-called ancestor, native ethnic ancestorship. There are important differences. Other Indians in Argentina that were conquered military at more or less at the same time, but unlike the Ranculche, had more spaces of autonomy, real autonomy in terms of livelihood, in terms of uh, capacity to get their food, capacity to um, raise their own children without a teacher, an, a European teacher, or a Criollo teacher, or a missionary, or you know some kind of uh, entrepreneur that was there. They had real autonomy, de facto autonomy, not legal autonomy, but de facto autonomy for what? For preserve some sort of continuity, not isolated, but some sort of power over their culture that put them in a situation very different from the Ranculture and other Indians. Today, some of them still speak their own language. And there was not a rupture in sociocultural continuity. That, that continuity was, you know, interrupted by Argentine culture, people was secluded, people was missionized and so on. But there, there is, you, you can trace a line, a line of continuity and language, the, 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 the languages, the vernacular languages are still alive, is the proof of it. The Ranculche, unlike the situation, they, uh, do not have or do not, uh, there is no speech community right now. They are trying to revitalize this by uh, resorting to grammaticians, linguistics, and the, the, old, the, the old people that still remember some words or some phrases, so they, 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 they write these dictionaries and courses and so on. But this means one thing, their language is not alive, it has to be um, revitalized. So, in conceptual terms, we can talk, taking a, um, a term that was elaborated here by Claudia Briones, an anthropologist. Actually, this term was rephrased from an, uh, an Australian anthropologist. I'm referring to the notion of aboriginality, which is intended to show that Indianness is constructed, it's not only constructed by so-called Indians, but it's constructed in a social milieu with a lot of struggles about what an Indian is. So there are a lot of people involved, involved here. And uh, it's constructed alone period of time. There are different kinds of aboriginality, both in time and in space. In Argentina, you have at least four types of aboriginality. Those that preserve their, some sort of preservation of their heritage, and those that were not uh, allowed or could not, they don't have enough, enough power to preserve this tradition. Um, this has to do with the different waves of colonization. 
If you go to the north of Argentina, which is very similar in a way to the south of Bolivia and north of Chile, it's an Andean region, uh, there are indigenous peoples that are coming up now, they are in this process of re-immersions, uh, but none of them can show as a sign of identity, language, or so-called Indian customs. They are fetishes of identity, identities, uh, are uh, ruins, for instance, old monuments, uh, old trails, um, perhaps some mills, uh, food that is food, um, garments, you know, that kind of things. But if you go to the Chaco, to the northeast region near Paraguay, you would experiment, you, you will have your uh, lovely uh, experience of, you know, being in a milieu of the otherness. I mean, people is talking in a, in, in a language you don't understand anything, if you don't know that language, you would have this, uh, if, if you are not an anthropologist, this experience of, uh, of even alterity. Why do they do this? I mean, this is abnormal. It's not, they should not do this. They should not go uh, nude, for instance, and so-called, these kind of things. So these are, the, these are different types of aboriginality within the same country. And what they have in common is that whiteness, Europeanness, was thrown over them as an ideal, as a norm, as a normalization. And they had different types of resources to defy or to adapt or accommodate to this a long time. Um, I'm, I'm particularly interested in the spatial aspect of, um, of the Ronkulche's uh, struggle. Uh, I mean, I, I guess there's many ways to approach it, whether, I mean, you're, you have one article uh, in particular that's called uh, In the Middle of Nowhere, which uh, in quotes, obviously, and in, in how, how they can almost be, uh, how they can be often a, a sort of discursive violence. Uh, 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 I mean, whenever we say in the middle of nowhere, and I mean, that's, that's, almost, that's a very common phrase, is that we, we don't really realize that it, it very much talks from a position <laughs> that, that, uh, that uh, arrogantly uh, uh, calls the place in the middle of nowhere and there's a sort of discursive violence in, in it. But there's also other, other special aspects that I would like to talk about, whether um, the, the way you write about the way um, uh, uh, the territory of the of the Rancuches is uh, is being mapped, for example, uh, administratively mapped or uh, uh, surveyed, uh, and uh, and how this could have consequences on the way. Right now, there are uh, some uh, legal uh, 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 disputes in in uh, in trying to gain back the ownership of the land uh, that you've been particularly studying. So. I, I'd, I'd, like, I'd like to hear more about this very uh, spatialized, uh, sp spatialized uh, aspect of the, of the struggle, if you don't mind. Okay. Um, you, you don't have a camera, right? To show you maps. I mean, for you to film the maps. Yeah, no, we could, we could do that. Okay. Yeah. Because I, I, that would be... 
very helpful. Yeah, we'll add it to the page. Eh? We, we will add it to the page of the podcast. Ah, okay, yeah. okay. Uh, no, but I can... Along my speech, I can show you some things. For instance, this is the, the map. This is the photocopy, of course, of the original map of 1864. This is the original map uh, issued by the, by the army. 20, uh, there was already an Indian war here going on. Um, you can see the line, the frontier line. This was the, this was the imagination these guys had of Argentina at that time. This is Patagonia. I mean, mm -hmm. when they gained this territory and this other territory, which is the, the, the Chaco, where this uh, still uh, cultural Indians live, uh, Argentina was really this strip from Buenos Aires going to the north of Argentina, which is the, the border with Bolivia. It was a strip. It, it was one, one fifth of the, of the, ter of the uh, present territory. So this is very important to take into account because people is socialized, educated in the notion, as French are in this notion of the pol pol polygon, the, the hexagon, as it were, you know, a natural fact. <laughs> and moreover, Argentines had the notion, because of education, that they lost territory. Not only that, they, uh, which is, Contrafactual, the real Argentine, I mean, the real territorial jurisdiction of these Argentines that gained their independence uh, from the Spanish was one fourth of, or fifth, I don't know exactly the, the proportions, of the present day territory. Why they say that we, not they, we lost territory? Because they would have liked to inherit the whole viceroyalty of the river plate, which wasn't impossible. It's not that they didn't want, they lost battles, important battles in the north of Bolivia and in Paraguay. In that sense, there is this sort of irredentism, territorial irredentism. But in terms of reality, Argentina till 1864 and 1880s was a very narrow strip. And you can see the frontier line. Here is Buenos Aires. This frontier was only, the Indians were in 1864, about 300 kilometers from the port, which was in connection with Europe. Ranculche, the Ranculche, I mean, here were the Ranculches, Ranqueles, and other tribes, Pehuenches, and so on. This is a whole, Different story. What, what is now La Plata, right? Uh, La, La Pampa. La, La Pampa, sorry. La Pampa. The province of La Pampa is here. Mm -hmm. uh, right now, when I go to Fieldwork from Buenos Aires to this point, more or less, uh, it's about only 800 kilometers. I mean, for American, South American distances, it's very short, mm. not for Europe, of <laughs> course. Very short. You know, Argentina has about uh, 5,000 kilometers long, mm -hmm. for uh, 4,000 and, and a little bit. So it's, it's, it's a very short distance. But here, 
in present day, you have a sort of demographic vacuum, a sort of gap, blank. That's why middle of nowhere, in terms of demography, in terms of uh, internal frontier left behind because it was not very, uh, in the, the, their lands, the lands were semi-arid, were not very uh, lucrative. Uh, that was an old story, now they are again. But in, in this sense, the Sandran culture were able to maintain certain uh, identity. I, I'm not telling, I'm not saying culture, that would be, you know, the patrimony, the language and so on, but an identity because of this de facto internal frontier here. So it's not very, you, you don't have to, to travel 2,000 kilometers into a wildness and so on. You know? It's... Right now, I would say very close to Buenos Aires. Yes. Then in Patagonia, you have different communities, Mapuche and so on, but not because of distance. They are more Indians, distance from Buenos Aires, I mean, or more wild or more uh, culturally preserved. Here, there was a sort of, you know, a black hole, we would say. It's very interesting in, in this sense because it gives you the idea that a territory is not homogeneous. So it's, there are a lot of gaps, and some of these gaps, gaps very close to the center. This is very interesting. So uh, this is how the military, that is the state, good imagine the place. It's very interesting that all these names, which were, they were not sure they, they, they were uh, located these places in this specific place, announced you know, the task of the state, that is conquering them. First is naming, even naming by their native name. But means what? We know, we know that place. In terms of the performance of the, of the name, I can name you, you are under my surveillance or my project, my expansion project. So the naming is very important. Here there, there are no names, for instance. So there is some sort of vertigo here. But names is like, you know, ladders. The, the um, not the ladder, the how do you say the the ladders of no, not the each one the step step the steps of the ladder yeah. like different steps of of, of ladder no points of of a virtual network mm -hmm. so so here you have another when they were conquered this gap this black hole turned out to be a colony that is you know this territorialization territorial organiz organization in terms of the state. You can see Cartesian uh, dia diagram of the space. Mm -hmm. no, it looks like an H. It's an H. That is cut into little squares. Yes. Administrative yeah. squares. Yeah, you can describe it. And, you know, the, all this sequence, all this, the, this idea of rationalization of the space. And they were put in these uh, little farms each one six and twenty-five hectares, which perhaps is a lot of uh, a lot of extension of land, but it's not for the for the place because this is a semi-desert place. You would need the, the minimum for economic reprodu reproduction would be uh, five thousand hectares, not one tenth of it, which is six hundred. And these people were. The survivors of the conquest were put in here, but 
there is a twist. Who survived? The guys that survived here were not the enemies, the Indian enemies, were the so-called Indios Amigos, mm. the friend Indians. These guys were given this place in terms of compensation for their help in conquering their, uh, their partners, their own people. So this is, I mean, it's not black and white. So this gray zone, uh, one of the outputs of the products of the gray zone is this, which has its own specific territoriality, right? Now I'm working. The trap of this was the following. This was not Indian land. It's not like in the States that they invented you know, Indian reserves under a different regime, even if they wouldn't uh, respect it, they had the legal status. This was created as a colonia, as a colony of uh, agricultural and uh, cattle co colony. But not as an Indian. Indian didn't have legal status as such. Indian had to be erased, as, as I told you before. So all people around know that these people were Indians. But legally, they were not. This is translated into juridical uh, prox uh, procedures very important, which, which, which has to do with the uh, um, notion of property. These places were, would be given to them in property, in individual, private property, not communal, individual, if they would succeed in uh, you know, in planting or um, raising cattle and so on for about ten years, if they were not going to succeed, in actually, they did not succeed because the condition, the, the environmental conditions were very hard, so they could not raise uh, uh, herd, uh, you know, cows. They could not plant anything because there, there was a lack of, of, of irrigation and so on. So, along about 25 years, uh, all these people were, uh, lost their lands because their lands were uh, would be inspected by inspectors coming from Buenos Aires, and they would say, "Wow, these people is." civilized or not, which are the signs of civilization, you know, crops, cattle, and so they don't have crops, they don't have cattle, well, so this land that were given uh, to them in permission but not in property would come back to the state and we would sell it to a criollo or a white people that are very uh, progress-oriented people. Mm -hmm. In that way, in that legal way, they lost the very small tract of land they, they were given in permission. But some of them resisted because of their de facto uh, communal relations. And these guys were here. These guys, well, let's go to the, the, the present, live today in the same place, but this place is a very archipelagic place. This age 
is now populated by a lot of people, uh, but only one-tenth of it are from Indian origins. It was from here that a group of people joined and organized as a community, Indian community. Indian community is a legal name. It's not uh, the idea of a you know, communal relation that they share uh, everything. No, I mean, it's, most of them are separated, they have their own instruments, their own land, the family separated, but they join themselves as a, under this legal figure of Indian community. And they claim, they reclaim part of this, of this spaces that had been lost during the century to the, under different circumstances. It is interesting that the state now under the new moral rule or ideological rule of multiculturalism allows them to establish this demand in terms of law and in terms of morality and not only that designs a protocol a government protocol to help them or guide their or canalize their, their demand into a form that can be recognized by the state and the rest of society. This instrument is so-called uh, the well, the territorial uh, sort of territorial census. They are, mm -hmm. It's going on right now. In, how, in how, 2007, there's been some uh, some uh, the government of La Pampa gave back uh, two 2,500 hectares to the to the Rangkulches people, is that, is that right? Well, the, that news, that news has to do with this process. I see. Uh, it's not exactly like that, but about 2009, it began this process of so-called regularization mm. of land. Uh, and, and this was done, it's been done, it's not finished, through this new way of, uh, of legitimation, of justification of state action, which is participation. Mm -hmm. So these people participated with the Indian uh, technicians from the state, drawing, this is the photocopy of a crocus, a big crocus that they draw on, 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 the, on the soil, uh, on a paper, but, um, I mean, in the open air, of the different places they live in and the, the, the lands they were claiming. For instance, uh, they named this place as indigenous, indigenous territory and they put occupied by whites. Uh, so this was done by them under the guidance of the state technicians. It works as a proof of their concern, uh, uh, how do you say that? Yeah, it works like this, you know, uh, this is what they want, what they, what they were uh, in a way not obliged, but in a, they constructed an atmosphere in which they could express their demand. Mm -hmm. Obviously, this demand is 
simplified is in a way that the state can hear it. The state does not hear everything. So it's all, it only uh, hears what is articulated in the language of the state. Mm -hmm. And this is one of the languages of the state. It's, and it, uh, it's very interesting because there, we go back to the idea of the, the census. Uh, it's the same uh, thing. The census of like, uh, you're either Argentinian or foreign. So like if you're Argentinian, is that even if your demands are uh, uh, um, addressed against the state, it needs to be uh, enunciated within the language of the state. So it's it's interesting how uh, we go back to this very idea of of always national in, national integration and national normalizations of of processes. But th there is a, a a key difference. I mean, there is this continuity of the same culture. Which is the culture of the state, not of the Indians. But the first movement uh, after, immediately after the conquest, was erasure. But obviously, there, there were left, there were traces left of this erasure. So Indians, in the case of these peoples, were treated as phantom Indians. What what was the the discourse? towards them. You are Argentines, but, but, this is very important, but you are, you still have some traces of Indianness. This, this was, I would say, the, the ideal type, type of interpolation. Uh, voiced in the army, voiced in the village bar, boy, voiced in the school in Argentines, but still Indians. Mm -hmm. Now, what has changed is this. Now, you are Indians, because this is the norm. The norm is not anymore Argentines, but it's Indians, but which is the, 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 twist. the twist of this. You are Indians, but you are not authentic Indians. Why you are not authentic? What, what, what they say? They, they ask people, I mean, when, when I, tell, I, I work with a community in India, ah, ooh, they live, um, they are nude, uh, how, how do they live, they, they plant, oh, it's like this imagine of the boss sauvage. No, no, they are people like, like ourselves, most of them. The point is that they are not authentic Indians. They cannot fulfill the imaginary uh, senses of what an Indian, an Indian would be. What is an Indian? After all, a savage, or at least a savage in process of civilization. An image that is indeed fulfilled by, by, in, uh, by Indians of the northeast, northeast of Argentina, which are the Chaco Indians. Uh, these Indians I talked to you about that managed to preserve some sort of cultural continuity, language most the most important of it. So, in the case of the Ranculche, the, the, the debt we are, they are in right now is the debt not of Argentineness or, Indi or of Indianness, but the debt of authenticity. You are not real Indians after all. You are fake Indians. You are like everyone else, but why do you claim to be Indians? Okay, we accept you are, you are Indians, because that's legal. We, we are 
we abide to this norm. But come on, you know you're not the Indian. You know, the, you know that you are instrumental, you are, you are taking advan- advantage of, of, a, you know, of an injustice of the law in order to, to go along with your claim. And you are, perhaps you are comparing with your neighbor that cannot show his Indian, uh, that's unfair. Mm-hmm. Well, this is the, the non of the, the, that go, this is course that goes underneath the legal and the, and the you know, the show-off po- uh, policy. And this discourse, of course, creates in social actors uh, specific practices, decisions, concrete decisions, to, to get something or not to get it, or to put an obstacle to, to the certain uh, fin- finality, certain end. Mm-hmm. So this is very interesting. Uh, I, I work with these Indians, not so Indians, we, which is a, a very important test. Not, it's like they are in the great zone. They were always in the great zone, these guys. And, and I think uh, that uh, to think and, and elaborate about these not so Indians, not, not very Indians, is much more interesting than working with the real Indians, the so-called real Indians, of course. Because in that case, you, ha- you are always under the desire, uh, under the um, expectation of finding the real, of finding the real other. Mm-hmm. So all, the, all my colleagues that work, most of my colleagues that work with Indians from the Chaco, not, not the case of Gaston Gordillo, but others, which are more culturalist, they, they love to tell you uh, anecdotes about how these people do strange things and how, in spite of that, they love them. That, I mean, the anthropologists. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, this idea of sacrifice, of redemption, of, of the individual self. And I don't have that anecdote, anecdotes <laughs> because I, these people, first, first of all, I don't love them. <laughs> and secondly, they don't do strange things. I mean, no more strange that you can do or I can do, <laughs> which perhaps are more, <laughs> are very strange, but it's not the, the, the strangeness of, that I can attribute to a culture or to a cosmovision or to a different civilization and in that way rationalize it, mm-hmm. accept it. No, perhaps the things, the rare things they do, I don't like because they are, the problem I work is that they are very similar to us, not very different. And this narrow abyss is the most difficult to bridge. Okay, well, Axel, I think we are reaching the end of our conversation, but uh, thank you so much for your time and, uh, and uh, for uh, uh, informing us about uh, all this uh, history and current struggle that uh, I think will be uh, in, uh, gathered into a book uh, in, in the coming year, so we'll be, we'll be looking forward to that. Thank you so much. Okay, thank you.